0: Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're honored that you join us here. Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. We chose that name because we believe that the words and ways of Jesus are very beautiful. And so each week we're bringing content to help make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and dive in to this past Sunday's sermon.
1: You know, when I was young and I thought about Christmas, I would think about the hallmark nativity scene with this perfect little smiley baby Jesus and the most amazing, clean, well-behaved animals you ever saw in your life. And Mary and Joseph just so happy and the shepherd super smiley and three wise men who came and brought gifts to Jesus. And that whole nativity scene, it was perfect, wasn't it? And that's what I would think about Christmas, and maybe it would look something like this. Maybe you have one of these at home, but look at that perfect, beautiful, look, angels flying above the whole situation, and I'm not trying to knock nativity scenes, okay? They're really, really beautiful, but they don't often depict what actually went on the night that Jesus was born. And today, I want to talk a little bit about this Hallmark Christmas versus the reality of what happened when Jesus came to the earth. So I want to look at the scripture. Matthew 1, says this. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Look at John 1, The word, which is Jesus, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And the last one here, Hebrews 2.17. For this reason, he he, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. These words in these scriptures are really, really profound. And we need to pay really close attention to them. The word became flesh. She gave birth. He was made like what? He was made like humans. These words are really, really intense, and it's pretty shocking if you think about it. And I want to tell you this, with these scriptures in mind, and if I'm honest, with my own experience giving birth to my own two children, there is a reality of the nativity scene that is not there. I feel the need to tell you this morning. Uh, In her book by Elise Fitzpatrick, she wrote a book called Found in Him, and she writes about Mary giving birth to Jesus, growing him in her womb like this. And I'm going to read this really dramatically on purpose. Okay, so listen carefully. Within the darkness of the virgin's womb, the internal word entered an ovum and took to himself from her body chromosomes, blood, flesh, and bone. The word who was made flesh gestated within her for nine months. God relied on a weak young girl to sustain his life. She ate and drank and nourished this embryo Also, Lord of heaven and earth, from the limited resources of her own little body. In his humanity, he knew the restraint of living within a uterus, completely confined in deep darkness. He felt it when his mother labored, and although he did not understand the process, like every infant before him, he struggled to be free to breathe. He was born placenta and all. And he came forth from the virgin's womb. He is like us in every way. He knows what it is to be born and live our life. Isn't that wild? For some of us, it's really uncomfortable to think about Jesus being born with words like this, really thinking about what that must have been like, giving birth in that way. We'd rather stick to the cute baby Jesus nativity scene, right? But I believe that it's important that this actually, the reality of Jesus being born, coming out the way we all came out, that actually shouldn't be uncomfortable. Because without understanding that Jesus came as fully God and fully man to the earth, we don't have a gospel. And so it's very important that we recognize this in all of its glory. I mean, Mary and Joseph were like real parents, okay? Like they had to try to fight a kid to sleep at night who wouldn't sleep through the night. They had to change dirty diapers like the rest of us. I saw this online and this just cracked me up, giving us a real reality. Let's put this up. Says this, Mary, exhausted, having just gotten Jesus to sleep, is approached by a young man who thinks to himself, what this girl needs is a drum solo. I mean, come on, there's not a mom in the universe that wouldn't have kicked that guy out of there. Like, I'm trying to put my kid to sleep, right? But Jesus, I want us to get, went through the process of growing in his mother's womb and being given birth to, just like the rest of us. And it reminds us that Jesus came in the flesh, Jesus came as a human. Jesus, people actually saw God with skin on. He actually walked the same planet that we all walk on. And so it's really interesting to really think about this. And there's a word that I'm going to teach on today called the incarnation of Christ. And it's a really important part of Christmas that we need to understand. Now, when I had my own babies, like most people, I was so excited to see what they would look like. What would a little combination of pretty and Amrita look like, you know? I was so excited. But for me, this was really a little bit uh, crazy special because I had never seen anyone, I had never seen a biological family member until I had my own children. Because I am adopted, shout out to the adopted people in the room, I'm adopted, and I had never met anyone biological biological to me, so I never knew whose mannerisms do I have, who do I look like? I never knew that before. So when my kids were born, oh, I couldn't wait to see what they looked like. I couldn't wait to see what little nose they were going to have and all the hands, who are they going to look like? And you know what? When I had my little boy, oh my gosh, 2016, February 12, I was so excited. He came out, and to my shock, he looked like our small group director, Linda Von Schell. I want to show you. There it is. Do you see? Do you see the resemblance? My child looked like this Cambodian, Vietnamese, Chinese woman. Right here. Okay. Not only that, when I had my daughter and she grew up, she just kept looking more and more like... so excited to see what my kids would look like and they looked like disney characters Right, but you know what? It meant the world to me when people would say to me, "Oh my, oh my goodness, Obi has your hands, or Obi has that nose, or oh my goodness, look at those cheeks." Or you know, people always say all the time, uh, "She is exactly like you." You know, like about my daughter, she is you in like little form, right? And it meant the world to me because it was like these were my babies, these were human little beings, and you have to wonder about Jesus. You know, like did he have mannerisms that took after his mom or his dad? You know, did what did what it? what did it feel like to have a little boy? Was he fussy baby? Was he like a little baby that was easy to take care of? And you know, we don't often think about these things because a lot of times we think about God being up here in this world. We pray to Jesus and he's super far away and we forget often that he actually came down from heaven as a human being, having come out of his mother's womb just like we did. He was human. God came to the world, and this is what Christmas is all about. And I want to talk about this morning because I think for some of us, it's difficult to get into the Christmas spirit. Some of us were in this moment in this year where we're like, it's hard for me to turn toward Christmas. I'm just not in the mood. There's just a lot of stuff going on. I don't really want to deal with Christmas. Craig Rochelle wrote this quote, and I just loved it because I think it describes some of what happens at Christmas time. says this, Someone said to me something years ago that stuck with me. They explained that Christmas is a magnifier. If things are good in your life, Christmas tends to magnify that goodness. That which is that which good seems better. A good family seems great, a good party seems fantastic, a good memory becomes an even better one. Christmas magnifies the good. But unfortunately, it also can magnify what is difficult. If you are struggling, the Christmas spirit can almost make the struggle seem more intense. Financial stress is tough any time of the year. In December, it can feel unbearable. A challenged relationship with extended family is never fun. It seems to be accentuated during the holidays. If you normally battle with loneliness, Christmas time may be the loneliest time of all. And maybe Christmas season, this Christmas season, you feel like you're just going through the motions. You're just going through the motions. You put up your tree. You wrap the presents. You bathe the children. You bought Christmas dresses, all the things. And who gets the credit? Santa, right? Santa gets the credit. And you're like, I'm, I don't want to deal with another one of these Christmases where I don't feel the real Christmas spirit. And I think what happens is when the, ne- take, when the negativity is magnified, we begin to become very low in our Christmas spirit because we aren't remembering what the meaning of Christmas really is. And so I want to read this next quote to you. Christians rightly register a deep sense of awe and amazement when contemplating a crucified God on Good Friday or an empty tomb on Easter Sunday. It must be admitted, however, that many of us don't register the same sense of awe when it comes to Christmas Day, the day on which we commemorate the most staggering and stupefying miracle that ever came to pass, the miracle of God becoming a human being. Isn't it true that really what we need is our nativity scenes to be up all year? To actually remember that Jesus came to the earth as a human, fully God, fully man? And I want to say this, when we lose sight of the incarnation of Christ, we lose sight of the gospel and it hinders our Christmas spirit, right? So when we feel like we're going through the motions, we feel like I don't have anything to give to Christmas this year, it may be because we've gotten out of focus what it really means that Jesus, as cliche as it is, Jesus is the reason for this season, And so I want to explain to you today really how to embrace the Jesus of Christmas. Are you ready for this? Number one is this. We need a revelation of the incarnation of Christ. What does the incarnation of Christ even mean? What does it mean? Well, incarnation literally means in the flesh or made flesh. In the flesh or made flesh, I got a lot of really good material for you that I want you to re-log with me. The incarnation is an act of addition, not subtraction. In the incarnation, the eternal Son, who has always possessed the who has always possessed the divine nature, has not changed or set aside his deity. Instead, he has added to himself a second nature, namely a human nature consisting of a human body and soul. As a result, the individual Jesus is one person, the Son, who now subsists in two natures, and thus is fully God and fully man. It's really important that we understand that Jesus did not let go of his divinity in order to become human. He continued to be one with his Father and with the Holy Spirit, but he took on another nature, which is human, which is what we're talking about, as he came, grew in his mother's womb, and really brought into the world the same way that we did. I think it's amazing that God said, I'm gonna have the Son of God come to earth, not floating down like an angel that we see in parts of the Christmas story. I'm going to have him literally grow in a womb and come out the way all the rest of you did. Isn't that wild? God did that. God showed up in this way. Let's read Philippians 2. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God. God the Father. Amen. So when the scripture says this, this is what I think we have to understand. When we think about the incarnation of Christ, when, when the scripture says he gave up his divine privileges, it didn't mean that he gave up his divine nature. He took on a new nature that was human. There's actually a Greek word for this called ketosis. Okay, everybody say ketosis ketosis, which is not to, I'm sorry, it's kenosis. I messed up my joke. The real word, let me start this over, keto, let us start this. It's been a long weekend. Ketosis, you got I got a Fitbit. Ketosis is, uh, ketosis is for my low carb keto friends, my CrossFit, okay, you get it, okay. That's what ketosis is. Kenosis, everybody say kenosis. There it is. Kenosis is the word that we think about and understand that Jesus came as fully God and fully man. Can I get a good amen? amen. Kenosis, I'm glad I got that out of the way for the next two services. All right, here we go. Kenosis literally means to empty literally means to empty. Jesus underwent a change by coming from his exalted state in heaven and becoming a man in the world. The incarnation of Christ means this, and this is what is so beautiful about Jesus. He emptied himself of reputation. He was born into a broken world just like the rest of us. He allowed his divinity to be exposed to human hostility and criticism. Our God chose to come and expose himself to all of that. He took the position of a slave, the scripture says. Slaves were often viewed as what? Having no dignity. And Jesus, what he did is he humbled and emptied himself to the point of death on a cross. I love this wording in Philippians. It says, he did not think, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. He was willing to come as a baby, a humble baby. I love that. I mean, we don't know that. Anybody in our world who has an opportunity to get power or has power or a position of power, we cling on to it for dear life. What did Jesus do? He emptied himself of that, he emptied, he took on a new nature. I wanna keep telling you what the incarnation is because this is powerful as we celebrate Christian. From the conception, from conception, the son limited his divine life in such a way that he did not override the limitations of his human nature. As a result of the incarnation, the divine son lives as a true man with the normal physical, mental, volitional, and psychological attributes and capacities of completely human life as incarnate, original humanity. As incarnate son, he experienced the wonder and weakness of a completely human life. Jesus fully experienced the effects of living in a fallen world, but he did not share the guilt or disposition of Adam's sin passed on to the human race. In fact, Jesus never committed a sin, but experienced temptation just as we do. We have to realize that God became an embodied person. You can't say that about any other religion. You can't say that about any other God. Jesus walked on the earth and having embodied people in our world next to us in this room is really powerful. And I think it's amazing that God did this because he knew that he didn't want to just be a spirit or just an idea or just something in the word that we read. God said, I'm going to make him human flesh just like the rest of them. And it's really powerful as we look at this. And I think in a world where we are really focused on digital relationships, right? And everything can be really, we don't have to see somebody or be touching someone or be next to an actual human being because of just the way the world is today. But isn't it so different when someone actually shows up for you physically, isn't it powerful? You know, in 2020, Pastor Pradeep and I, when we got COVID in 2020, and uh, we got so sick the first time we got COVID, so much to the point where uh, we were literally taking turns in bed for an hour apiece, and we would be miserable because our children, they were not sick. They were bouncy and healthy and needed everything that we couldn't give them while we were super sick. And I, uh, I remember us, like, I would lay in bed for an hour and Pradeep would watch the kid for an hour, he'd come in so sick, he's like, it's my turn now. You know, and I'd be like, "Oh, can it? Be how oh, has it already been an hour?" You know. So I get up, I miserably take care of our kids. They're not miserable, but I was miserable. And we're just we're just going back and forth. I remember being so sick. I finally called my mom and I said, "Mom, would you pray for us?" My mom lives in Kansas. Please pray for us. Uh, we are miserable, and I'm sobbing, and I'm just like, "We're so sick. I don't know what to do." And nobody can come help us because we don't want it. Nobody wants to get sick, right? COVID. And uh, and I just you know she prayed, and and I just you know felt a little bit more encouraged and. When it was my turn to go back to bed, I go back to bed, wake up, and I have a text from my mom, and it says this, I'll be there in the morning. I'll be there in the morning. She gets to Seattle the next day, and I mean for the next two weeks. We were out for a while. She just did all the laundry, she fed my kids, she cooked, she did all the things, right? She is an embodied person who came into a moment of great need for my family, and that is what God did. He became an embodied person in Jesus Christ. Jesus was fully man and fully God. This is not a Hallmark Christmas tale. This is the real reason and for the season, amen? And I believe the incarnation of Christ. Man, you might feel distant from God this season, but I want to tell you today that he came for you. He came for you as a human embodied person and his spirit lives within us. So this morning, I want you, as you think about Christmas, as you say, How, God, I want to turn toward Christmas this year, I want you to think about the incarnate Christ who came as fully God and fully God, fully God and fully man. Amen? Amen. Number two is this, what does the incarnation mean for us? Another way to ask this question is, why did Jesus come? I'm glad you asked. John 6, 38 actually gives us the answer. For I have come down, Jesus is talking, from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. If I could sum up this scripture in five words, why did Jesus come? He came to save humanity as fully God and fully man. He wanted all of us to have eternal life with him. The incarnation is seen as a pivotal event in God's plan for salvation. His plan for salvation, Jesus, by taking on human flesh, enters into the human condition to reconcile humanity with God. The New Testament teaches that through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, he provides a way for people to be forgiven of their sins and restored in a right relationship with God. Jesus came on a mission. He saw that we were born into this broken world, and can I tell you the best news? He didn't abandon us. He came. He saw you in your mess. He saw you in your depression. He saw you in your brokenness. He saw you in all of these things that many of us got set free from yesterday. Amen. Hallelujah. But He saw us in that. We wouldn't have had it yesterday if God didn't come down to the earth as fully God and fully man and then went to the cross so humbly and died and resurrected that we might be free. And as we think about Christmas, we need to remember, I love this quote by Brian Zahn, the beauty of the image of God marred in man through the fall is what the incarnation redeems. I had to look at that a few times as you read it again. The beauty of the image of God marred in man through the fall is what the incarnation redeems. You know, for hundreds of years, there were prophetic words given that a king was coming, that the Messiah was coming, that the Savior was coming, a new king And you know that when Jesus came as a little baby, born to a regular teenager and a guy, right, it wasn't what they were expecting at all. It wasn't what they were expecting. What an underwhelming entrance for a king, right? I mean, the shepherds literally saw an angel from heaven. I would have thought the Savior was going to come straight from heaven. No, he came in a barn laying in a manger, What a humble way to enter this world. It's not what they were expecting. But even so, Jesus was coming to rescue the world. He was coming to rescue the world. And I want to encourage you today, you might be in a season that feels pretty humble. You might be in a season that feels pretty humble. You don't feel like you're on top. Maybe you haven't felt like you're on top in the last few years. Maybe you're unemployed and you're looking for a job. Maybe you have a family member that's really sick this season. It's hard to get into this spirit. Everything just feels like a fight. Have you ever had those days or those weeks? It's just everything is a fight today. Maybe you've been experiencing that for this whole last year. Maybe your depression and your anxiety is just kicked in with full force. Can I tell you what I'm so encouraged about Jesus' life is that Jesus' life had lows and highs and lows and highs and lows and highs. Who does that remind you of? Does that remind you of your life? Sometimes I think we don't relate to Jesus as much as we could. I mean, he was with his Father in heaven and he willingly came in this humble situation as a baby on the earth. I mean, he would be on earth, then later he would heal people and bring miracles to their bodies and in the next moment he was ridiculed and blamed and just treated so horribly for just doing his father's business. He would eventually go so low that he would die on a cross. And then what? Three days later he would resurrect. I mean, Jesus had these humble moments in his life here on the earth. I want to say this to you. Some of you need to hear this. Don't be so quick to judge your season of humility. Don't be so quick to get rid of it. Don't be so quick to want to move on from it. I know it doesn't feel good. We want to get rid of it. Don't be so quick to do that. Because you know what it's like? We begin to walk the road that Jesus walked when we walk in seasons of humility. And that's what happened when he was born on the earth, right? You know, uh, when my son, who's seven years old, when he was diagnosed with autism at age two, severe developmental disabilities, we began to really pray for a miracle. And we were like, we were getting all the prayer warriors to pray. We had hundreds of people praying for my son. We had prayer meetings at my house and we would just pray our guts out for a miracle for our son because we wanted to see him not have to be challenged and struggle the way that he does, right? And we would pray and we would pray and we would pray. And I tell you what, after a while a few things would change, a little bit of progress, not a lot of progress. I mean, if I'm honest, that's just kind of the way that it was. And we continued to pray. We weren't quite as loud about our prayers we weren't quite as calling all the prayer meetings that we used to call in fact we began to learn how to live a little bit more get used to a little bit more what it was like to continue to pray for a miracle but also not be so depressed all the time also begin to figure out how to live a life of abundance anyway and i, I, I several months ago someone messaged me online and said so did you guys stop did you guys quit praying for a miracle for Obi?" Did you stop praying for a miracle for him? And I was shocked by this. I was shocked that because we had learned how to embrace Jesus in suffering and in sorrow, because we were in a season of humility, that meant that we had stopped praying for a miracle. That's not what happened at all. We never stopped praying for a miracle. You know what it was? It's that this is a humble journey with my kid. This whole situation, it's a a humble journey. We've got highs and we've got lows. And so often I would judge the humble situation that we were in until I began to realize that Jesus is like that. I see my kid in the face and in the life of Jesus. He lived a humble life. And if there's something that I could get rid of in Christianity and just throw it in the trash can, it's, it's a, this American prosperity gospel that says if we can't get God to do what we want Him to do in the time that we want Him to do it, it means something's wrong with us or we stop praying. Come on. That's a really weak and watered down gospel. It's no good. It's no good. The humble road is not a defeated road. It's the road Jesus walked. It's the road Jesus walked. And I tell you what, you guys, I pray for my kid with more faith than I ever had back when we had those prayer meetings. I've got more faith. I see the life of Jesus. I see what he promises. And I'm like, oh, I'm so glad to be freed of that watered down faith. And I am so thankful for a God who would send himself as an embodied little baby in a humble little manger. Oh, I relate to that. I'm so thankful for Jesus. I see my son. I see our family. I see on this humble road that we're on. Don't despise the humble seasons that you're in, friends. You're more like Jesus. You're more like Jesus. The incarnation of Christ meant that he came for us in our mess, and he didn't abandon us. He rescued us. And the last one here today is this. The incarnation of Christ is the spirit of of Christmas. This morning, if you're struggling to really get there, to be able to celebrate Christmas, I want you to just, just think about the man, Jesus. Think about what he did for us. Think about what it meant that he came. Would you reflect, just take some time this Christmas season to reflect on the humility of Jesus, that he was fully God and fully man. You know, maybe in your family, you do Elf on the Shelf. Do Elf on the Shelf, but also maybe as a family, walk through the Advent calendar. You know, go through some of this stuff that really brings Jesus alive, elevates Jesus above all this other Christmas stuff, right? And my prayer for you this season is that God would give you peace and joy. I love what Nathan said, that we have access to the joy of Christmas. We have access to the man, Jesus Christ. You say, well, Amrita, he's not a man here today walking on the earth anymore. You know what's so beautiful about Jesus? His spirit lives in the embodied people sitting right next to you. And we can be so touched and so moved. We can even, the Bible says, we can even experience healing because we share with one another. Embodied people next to us. So I want to read this last quote. It's actually, I only read you part of that quote up front. I want to read the last of it to you. It says this. As we celebrate the greatest gift in history, our Savior's birth, as we focus on Jesus, worship God for his goodness, his love, his sacrifice, we are told to magnify him, to glorify him together. What does that mean? Among other things, magnify simply means to make bigger. What if you made God a bigger part of your life, not just on Christmas Day, but every day? What if you allowed his goodness, his will, his plans to consume your thinking What if you made his presence the biggest priority of all? If you're going to magnify anything this Christmas, magnify Christ. Magnify Christ. And that's my prayer for you. That where the other things want to be magnified this Christmas season, Christmas can be the great magnifier, that you would magnify Jesus Christ, the incarnate God, fully God, fully man. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray this morning. Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for Jesus. Oh, I thank you for sending your son that we might have eternal life. Lord, you saw us in our mess and you didn't leave us and you didn't abandon us. Lord, I'm praying for every single person in the room who feels like they're in a season of humility. It doesn't feel good. They don't feel like they're on top. They really want this to be over. But God, in this moment of this season of humility, I pray that there would not be a lie that enters that they have been defeated, but only, God, that they will be sustained by the spirit of God. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing this Christmas, and I pray over my friends, a spirit of peace and joy in their hearts right now, in their homes right now, that whatever is going on that feels like it's stealing the Christmas joy, stealing the Christmas spirit, that in the name of Jesus, Father, you would rest a spirit of joy and a spirit of peace where some of us are waiting. We're going into this next year not happy because we didn't get to where we wanted to go this year or what happened this year. God, would you remind us of your glory? Would you remind us, Jesus, that you are right there with us in these seasons of humility. Increase our faith, God. Help us to see you. We choose as a church to magnify Jesus this Christmas to magnify the one who came as fully God and fully man on the earth, that we might be whole, that we might be set free, that we might experience the peace and joy of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. We'll be back here every week with fresh content. But hey, I want to give you an invitation to our Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you in person. We have multiple service times every single Sunday morning in downtown Bellevue, Washington. If you would be interested in joining us, just go to www.kalos.church. All the information you need is there. You can actually even click a link to sign up and say give a seat so we can help make sure you feel comfortable coming and hanging out with us in person. So thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.